And this is where we learn that Magneto, like Moira points out, like Magneto is not getting healed each time Fabian does his little. Yeah, like, he's sucking a little juice out every time. <laughs> didn't like how you said that. <laughs> that was not. He's got to get his juice. He's, he's got to get juice. that Magneto juice. Slurp, slurp. Hello, students, and welcome to Class of X, the free internet course on how to read and enjoy the X-Men comics better. I'm your teacher and host, John Reisinger, and today I'm excited to be joined by my good friend, Diction, and we'll be talking about the Chris Claremont and Jim Lee 90s classic, Mutant Genesis, which covers X-Men Volume 2, Issues 1, 2, 3. Welcome, Diction, to the class. Thanks for having me. I haven't been in school in a long time, so this is going to be weird. <laughs> you and I are just both like old dudes who are, who are pro- I imagine you're like me where you're glad to not be in school uh, constantly. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I like my, my post-school life, but um, we're, we're in a different school today. We're in the school of X-Men and I wanted to start off with giving you opportunity to uh, kind of share with me and the audience at large. What is your... What was your introduction to X-Men? What's been your relationship to like their content or comics as a whole? I'm curious. Gotcha. Um, probably my intro was the TV show in the 90s. Very good, very like, good. I definitely watched that. I remember I had the pilot episode, which was pretty much just about the Danger Room on VHS. And that was it. That was back in the 90s when they it was legal to sell a videotape that only had 20 minutes of content on it. You know? <laughs> yes, yes. The 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 VHS tapes of like the X Men '90s cartoon weren't even like released with like chronological order of like here's episodes <laughs> one through four. It was like we think you stupid kids would like these three episodes, and we're gonna sell it to you, and you're gonna love it. Exactly. You, you can put it together. You're smart, right? You're seven years old. <laughs> which is which is such a bummer because the show was actually a bit serialized, where it actually like compounded on itself over the course of the season. It, so it really yeah. did leave kids confused. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was difficult to follow. So that was like my intro. Yeah, yeah, that's the gateway drug for a lot of people. Yeah, and then like the movie, the 1999 movie, 2000 movie. Hugh Jackman obviously saw that with my folks in theaters, loved it. Yeah. Um, as far as the comics go, I think the only one I've ever read is actually Old Man Logan. That's the only one nice. I've actually read, which is awesome, but it's batshit crazy. And like, yeah. it's not canon, right? It's like, it's no. just its own standalone thing. Old Man Logan came out of a crossover event called Secret Wars, which was actually a sequel to another Secret Wars. Um, and the even it, more it, secret wars. Yeah, the even more secret. No, it was like uh, the it was uh, Doctor Doom had been given basically omnipotent godlike powers and created this kind of like alternate universe. Right. And in one of those alternate universes was Old Man Logan. But people like people love Wolverine so much, and they loved Old Man Logan so much. It had that they such actually, a. It had so many cool ideas, like uh, Bruce Banner and his weird inbred, like you know, cannibal family of Hulks. And, yeah. Uh, Oh uh, yeah, Captain that America's, was that version. Yeah, uh, Red Skull killed Captain America, and he wears his like uh, his armor and stuff at the White House yep. and shit. Just like really cool, just like what if scenarios that are fun to read. Yeah, the old blind Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I forgot yeah, he was blind. Was- well, I mean that that car- that that uh, cartoon, that comic was so popular that he then was later for a brief stint brought into the canonical six one six universe. Uh-huh. Um, this was like during when they killed six one six Wolverine for a, a stint, and so uh-huh. while he was dead, we had 
X-23, uh, who took on the mantle of Wolverine. So she was Wolverine for a bit. You know her from the movie Logan. Right. Um, and then they brought Old Man Logan. He was on a team. Um, so they had they actually had a title at that time called Wolverines. And it was a bunch of the people who were like kind of like Wolverine-esque people. Right, um, right. But then, yeah, but then it, it was it became so popular that it was turned into, it was adapted into Hugh Jackman's uh, Logan. Um, which now everybody adores for correct reasons. Oh yeah, it's great, fantastic. Um, well, yeah, that's great. And so I, I love to hear. I'm I'm so glad that you actually have like no background in X Men <laughs> comics because that's so fun <laughs> to just throw you into the deep end here. Um, my last uh, guest, Andy, my buddy, he had never read any X Men comics prior to me making him do this, and his intro was actually the X Men movies. So it wasn't oh, even God. the cartoon, and so that was the best because like. While the 90s kids who watch the cartoons have a pretty, like, accurate understanding of who the comic X-Men were, um, if you go into the movies as your first intro, Brian Singer's adaptation of them was bonkers. Um, yeah, and you wouldn't know, you wouldn't get the, like, the yellow spandex joke if you didn't yeah. watch the well, show even like, the comics. Well, even, like... Andy was making jokes. He's like, like, cause like he, like you gotta think, like he got introduced to Anna Paquin as Rogue, and not from and, the and, piano. My goodness. Um, and that Rogue's like boyfriend is Iceman, obviously. Yeah, of course. Not, not Gambit. Um, <laughs> they didn't even but, bring Gambit in until what was it, Origins? And he, yeah, he's in like a scene. What was the name of that actor who they really tried to make a thing? Um, he was in that that. The, I know Channing the, Tatum has been like championing being Gambit for like years and years and years, but it it was it was some other guy that like he's he's on that list of like actors that Hollywood tried to make a thing. Um, he was in that that failed. Well, like it was not bad, but uh, the Taylor Kitsch. Yes. that's who yeah. it was. Um, he 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 tried to be Gambit. I did not like it. John Carter from Mars. That's what I was trying to think. That of. guy. Yeah, that's the only um, reason I know about him is from that movie. Yep, <laughs> which um, I've never seen. I just remember I was in film school while Pixar was producing it, and so all the time during film school, I'd hear like my the dean of the of the school talking about like the bloated budget and everything that was going yes. on with the production. Well, it was like it was Disney's attempt at swinging big on a big sci-fi epic. This is prior to them like you know, going all in on star Wars. Right. Uh, right. Before they owned everything. It wasn't bad. I recall watching it. Like it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like, you know, the rousing success. And you're right. That when it, when it has that huge bloated budget, yeah. it's kind of like a, uh, the failure of like Jupiter ascending right. that same kind of story. Um, but anyways, this is a great comic to, I think the, the, this, this relaunch of the adjective list X-Men from 1991, um, is I think another great comic to the point of this podcast is to try to get people entry points into the X-Men comics because they've been going on for decades upon decades. Hard to figure out where to jump in. If you do find a point to jump in, you'll be confused by a lot of the backstory and you'll be like, well, what's, I don't understand who this person is. Um, and so the point was to create a, uh, an entry space for people like this. And this, I think Mutant Genesis is a great entry point, especially because like you said, so many people uh, know the co- the cartoon, right. and this was the this is where the cartoon came from. This yeah. is a hundred percent where this is the these comics are the first time we ever see Xavier in his hover chair that everyone thinks is an iconic look. Um, this is the first time we ever see them in those costumes that they then used in the cartoon the the red I mean the blue and yellow yeah. um, and and all of that. And so, you know, Jim Lee, who was the artist and writer, 
um, for this, uh, or the writer and yeah, artist and writer. He, you know, revolutionized the look of X-Men. He had, he had drawn for them before in, in the past in a few of the uncanny X-Men issues. And he had been making a name for himself as a huge, you know, new person in the comics industry. And so, um, they, you know, paired him up with Chris Claremont who'd been writing since 1975 for the X-Men. And, this was like the big launch event, which it was like to talk about, like, uh, it's funny. We talk about like some failures in, in, you know, uh, pop culture media. This was a rousing success. Oh, um, X-Men volume, uh, X-Men, uh, this issue number one of this, uh, is still to this day, the best selling comic ever. Wow. Um, which helps, but which is helped by the fact that they released it in four different covers that then when lined up next to each other, made a giant long cover. Oh, sick. So people like me, I'm looking at my four covers up on my wall right now, bought all four covers, which then bloated sales to, I think they sold over like 8 million copies. Good God. Um, and so, yeah, the fact that from like 1991, that's where the most, the best selling comic, which is crazy because it also comes from an era where no one gave a, a, a crap about the Avengers. The X-Men were Marvel, X-Men and Spider-Man. Right. Yeah. And no one liked the Avengers. No one cared about the Avengers. And everyone was all about X-Men. This was a big, like, kind of a, not a relaunch, but it was a relaunch of this title. And everyone went crazy about it. But there's also, like, actually, I, I want to give you a little bit of, like, there's a sad story behind this comic. Oh, no. So, Chris Claremont, I don't know if you've ever heard that name before, is basically the father of the X-Men that we know to this day. He got given you know, full autonomy of writing X-Men in 1975, right after the release of the reboot of X-Men, um, a title called Giant Size X-Men. Um, Giant Size X-Men, I've talked, I talked about in the last episode, is was this big reboot because the X-Men had been canceled and because it didn't sell any money back in the day. It was, they, they, had, they, they basically put all the members on different teams and then canceled X-Men. Um, and so they relaunched the Giant Size X-Men and Giant Size X-Men is when we got introduced to Wolverine, Colossus, banshee nightcrawler storm all these iconic names yeah, yeah. um that was a, just one giant issue that was uh uh written by a couple of cool dudes that then the uh, next the the issue of uncanny x-men that came after that was then helmed by chris claremont who wrote from 1975 to 1991 um almost a 30-year run of like full autonomy of the x-men yeah and so yeah uh, I'm love. I'm a big Chris Claremont fan. He is the he is the guy who has basically made them what they are to this day. Um, we are reading on the back of his you know uh, hard work over the years. Um, and but the sad story is that this is the this this these issues of of X Men um, that were I had you read were the end of Chris Claremont because he was butting heads with at the time the chief editor of Marvel uh, Bob Harris. And Chris wanted to do certain things with these characters. He had some plans of like killing off Magneto and creating a bunch of new villains and doing a bunch of weird stuff with the characters. And Bob was like, no, we're not going to do that. And Bob thought, you know what? This Jim Lee guy, he's like, he's the thing. We'll be good with Jim. You can go. Bye bye, Chris. So Chris left and uh, Bob Harris was like, I've got Jim Lee writing x-men i've got rob leefield writing x-force you know creating iconic characters like cable well not creating well yeah he created cable cable and deadpool and he's like i got this but what happened was so we read issues one through three at issue 11 jim lee leaves does the does the quality go down there 
Uh, it does a little bit, but not really. It still was good, but it screwed their sales a ton because Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld leave to start a new comic book company called, uh, well, what we refer to now to this day as Image Comics. Oh, okay. At the time, it was Wildstorm. So they lost Chris at uh, the issue three of this comic is Chris's last comic until 1998 with Marvel. Um, and they lost Jim eight issues later. And so Bob Harris kind of did a big boo-boo. That is a big boo-boo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's a little backstory of like where this comic comes from. I'm curious before I get into like any sort of like actual canonical backstory that happens before this issue, what was what were your thoughts, like general thoughts on like reading these three issues? Was it easy to follow? Was it confusing? Was it fun? What was it? It was it was a little confusing at times. But uh, it was mostly it was there's a lot of exposition, like a lot yeah. of pretty much every character has to describe exactly what their powers are as they're yeah. using them every time. In yeah. case we forget that Jean Grey can telepathically, you know, like do whatever <laughs> or that, you know, Wolverine is made of adamantium and he's, you know, yeah, almost yeah, yeah. indestructible. But um, yeah, it was there was a lot like every page has just like so much going on. And there's yeah. there's a lot of big spreads of just like dozens of characters fighting and explosions and shit. Yeah, I mean that's uh, the the spreads of stuff is the is part of the iconic look of Jim Lee. He loved these big splash you know pages. Yeah. Um, and the exposition is a is actually a I don't know if it's a trope is the right word, but it's a trend that was common in these comics because which is funny considering why I'm making this podcast because it was the way to at try at best to make the comics accessible to new readers. Yeah, it makes um, sense. I, I was I, like, I scoffed at it just because I prefer subtext over exposition, but I understood like, okay, this is like a re kind of a rebrand and there's all these new characters. And like, honestly, a couple of them kind of look alike, you know, like rogue and Jean gray and Moira, they all, they share a lot of similar powers and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like, they got to make sure to differentiate them in some way. And it's not just that rogue has a really obnoxious Southern accent. Uh, <laughs> it's written very much like a like a soap opera. Yes, yeah, exactly. Where everyone is either internally or externally making sure that the reader knows their thoughts at all times. Right, correct. Um, and then yeah, and then pointing out like their powers constantly, constantly. like issue <laughs> to issue. Um, but yeah, yeah, it it was it was written that way, you know, for a reason. Um, the I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of like the backstory that you might not, you might've picked up on some of the stuff of like what they're talking about in these issues before we get into like just going over the issues themselves. Sure. But there was, there was a lot that was going on right before this that was going on with Magneto, the X-Men as a whole and Xavier and Moira um, with Magneto. A lot of people have kind of like picked up on this over the years, especially the movies even play with this. Like Magneto's always swapped back and forth between good guy, bad guy. Right. He's always like kind of like white hat, black hat. You never know which which Magneto you have. Um, this is coming off of a long run of Magneto wearing the white hat. Um, and so you can tell like while reading some of the comics, like the X-Men are referring to a lot of like history with Magneto and like yeah. disappointment with him, mm -hmm. um, especially Rogue. I don't know if you picked up on that. Yeah, there um, seemed to be a, a big connection between her. Like she was the seemed to be the most fervently like aggressive at, at trying to reason with him and you know yeah. get him to change his, his ideals and everything they've actually we, we we make a joke earlier on about like you know her and gambit being a thing for forever but there was actually there's actually a long history of 
Rogue and Magneto, will they, won't they, Ooh. kind of a, a thing. Um, and Is this, so, so wait, uh, in, they never really touch on this aside from when she touches you, she gets your powers and your memories yeah. and everything. Was the, in the movie, it's like she kills you. Is that, is, is that not a thing in the comic or... No, it is. They, they, okay. It's it's definitely an ongoing thing where, like, if she holds on to contact with somebody for too long, then she can totally screw them up. Uh, the reason why she has her flying invulnerability and strength is because she did that at the behest of her mom, Mystique, uh-huh. to Captain Marvel uh, uh, for too long and basically consumed, like, really screwed up Captain Marvel for a long time. Um, and actually like, uh, messed up rogues brain really badly because, you know, she takes their memories and personality, but then it eventually like, you know, dissipates. But with Captain Marvel, because she permanently took her powers, she also like had this permanently split psyche where she was wrestling with Captain Marvel's like thoughts and history and personality. Um, so yeah, that's why why Iceman was so worked up about them you know banging like he's not gonna last more than a couple minutes he'll be fine no 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 well gambit does that too gambit is constantly throughout these comics playing with danger where (laughs) because of like his confidence and his like his his kind of personality he always toys that like he's like i can handle it come on share like he's just always like he's like let's just do a little bit and rogue's like dude i will just the yeah yeah he he's he's like rogue is like i'm gonna kill you stop it like i'm trying not to kill you you stupid cajun um so yeah so she's like that's why she brings that up a lot because this is during an era where she's still very much wrestling with that a lot and still very scared about it um and because it's not it's not they write it as like it's not a pleasant experience at this point you know uh for her um, later on, she in the comics, she actually eventually gets control over it, and it's kind of awesome to see her with like no longer wrestling. It's kind of, you know, it gets old to keep playing with this whole like yeah, oh, Rogue yeah. can't touch people thing. And so later on in the comics, it gets cool, and she gets control over it, and she becomes even more of a of, of a awesome character. But yeah, at this time, yeah, she can't touch anything. Um, but yeah, she so she's she had a thing with like Magneto, but like. So before this, so Magneto not only was playing with a white hat, but he was actually the leader of the X-Men. Um, Xavier got like hurt by like a mutant hate group and got uh, taken by his space girlfriend, Lalandra of the Shi'ar, to space to heal. And so he left Magneto, he left the X-Men and the um, their young team, the New Mutants, which I know that you, you know of a film based on that um, in the recent past. The one that I couldn't uh, watch because it was bad. The, the film is... <laughs> fine it's not very good and it's not a very like good adaptation i think of the of the comic because the comic is really good 10 minutes i had to stop watching (laughs) it's rough (laughs) it's It's rough rough, um and which is yeah it it, it, is extra it's ever it's extra rough for me every time they do these with new characters because there there are some of these characters in these movies that i'm like i have such a i've I've been reading since i was seven i've been reading x-men comics since i was seven right. so we're, we're going on 30 plus years of reading these and so i've got a strong connection to all these characters and so new mutants was like introduction of some of these these characters that i really love especially uh colossus's sister uh iliana rasputin who is magic she's the one in if you've watched the film she's like the russian uh uh girl who like um killed a bunch of men and has a uh giant like anime sword um uh, but she's awesome in the comics but in the movie she was 
kind of lame, even though I think it was Anya Taylor. What's her name? Um, Joy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did her best to try to sell that character and I commend her for it. Um, but so Magneto was in charge of both these teams and was like totally doing a good job. Like, in fact, he even like had changed a lot of his tone. And even at one point, like um, one of the students uh, almost killed a human because like they had done something bad to her and he stopped her, which is like out of the you know norm for Magneto at the time. But long story short, he's in charge of them. He at the same time, actually also becomes a part of the hellfire club which if you've seen x-men first class uh you That's remember my favorite uh, one actually yeah so you remember uh who's it kevin bacon with sebastian shaw yeah um and so that's the hellfire club the is like this as i call it to his face <laughs> to his face whenever i see him yeah. when we when we when we have our squash we go yachting uh, together all the time <laughs> he brings his goats the, that he serenades with his guitar it's great yeah me and the bake um <laughs> He so the Hellfire Club, which by the way, like I know everybody loves Stranger Things. I can't stand that Stranger Things has uh, appropriated Hellfire Club, and now it's like search engine optimized to be associated with the Stranger Things because of the latest season. Oh, right. Let's get I this just straight. Put that together. That's oh shit. Yeah. While Hellfire Club is not a term that the X Men originated, it is you know a pull from I believe the old British uh, television series uh, Avengers. Um, uh, but not to be confused with the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, I know. Also it's very a, confusing. It's a very wacky British TV show about spies, which is even more confusing when the Emma Frost character from X-Men is actually based off of a character from, or, or a version of the character from that TV show, the main <laughs> lead girl. She had dressed up like in like lingerie to like infiltrate this one, like, you know, sex club. And right. that's what Emma Frost is based on. So there's a lot of like cross contamination. God damn. Anyways, uh, Hellfire Club, at the same time him being in charge of the X-Men, he actually gets invited to the Hellfire Club. He's the White King for a bit. Um, and uh, he actually, while he's there, is when he rebuilds Asteroid M, which is what the setting for a lot of these issues is based on, that, that that's geosynchronous you know, base yeah. that Magneto has. This is also not the first time we've had Asteroid M. Asteroid M's been made and destroyed before this. Um, and so this is like Asteroid M2. I think this is two. Um, I think it gets made like four times. Um, you think that that man would stop making yeah. his or put his the asteroid comment. further away from Earth? You know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, make yeah, it orbit yeah, the yeah. moon or something. <laughs> he does already learn. in space, so like it doesn't matter where you go from space. You know, yeah, and it and it gets destroyed different ways each time. So um, it's just everybody really not treating it with respect, but. It's to like it's good that he recreated it because he was like, in case this Hellfire Club thing doesn't work out, I want to make sure I have a backup plan. Well, the Hellfire Club doesn't work out. Sebastian Shaw gets him ousted, and so that's why he um, he decides to leave the X Men um, because he can no longer uh, like support or or embody Xavier's like dream of like coexistence, and decides instead, kind of like courageously, but also in a messed up way to serve as like this focal point for all mutant hate he just kind of thinks like if i can give the humans a, a single focus for like the mutant terrorist face then that can leave you x-men to do the heroics um so that's why like in issue one we open up with just magneto out in space by himself just kind of you know vibing yeah you know hanging out um, and and so that's why he's there um and which they don't explain at all in the comics so there's your backstory of like why is magneto just hanging out 
you know, in space by himself trying to have some me time. <laughs> then the, the other backstory I'll give you is what's why, why is in the comic you saw that like him and Moira have some beef, right? Yeah. That comes from an era. This is where comics get a little bonkers. It happens where I'll make this quick. At one point, Magneto, this is before he's like leading the X-Men. Magneto finds a bunch of alien technology and he goes, ooh, I like this. Oh, is this the and baby like, thing? Yes. Because they, I, I don't know, this issue had that. They like did like a, like yes. a very brief, like, oh, by the way, if you missed it, <laughs> motherfucker got turned into a baby at one point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of gloss over and you, you, if you don't have the backstory, you're like, pardon? I couldn't he was not what? think about that for the rest of the, the rest of the issues. Like, he was a baby? Yeah. It's like one panel. It's like yeah. one panel, and they even show like baby Magneto. Yeah, he's like sitting on a table, and they're like, "Wow, how can we, you know, change his DNA? This should be fun." Uh, so he finds this technology. Magneto loves technology, and especially alien technology. And he's like, "You know what? I'm gonna make the perfect mutant with this." And he makes a perfect mutant named Alpha. Well, Alpha is like rebels immediately and turns Magneto into a baby, <laughs> um, as you do. Yeah, you know. And uh, so Xavier takes him and he's like, you know what, Moira, I'm going to put this baby in your care. And so that's where that's why Moira has the baby and she's she's raising him. It's not totally abnormal because Moira has a history at that point of raising young mutants. That team, New Mutants, originated from Moira. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Moira McTaggart, who is the uh, at this time in X-Men history, the human ally geneticist um, uh, friend of the X-Men. So that's why she's involved with this. And she's also like uh, Banshee's like significant other. And that's why they have a lot of uh, chemistry in it. Magneto's not a baby forever. He gets then uh, restored to what what is considered his prime age um, by another alien called Eric the Red. Um, and that's why even though Magneto is like, he's supposed to be, you know, a survivor of like Auschwitz and the Holocaust. Yeah. Um, that's why in the 90s, he's like super hot and young. Like, I can't get over, I can't get over the, uh, like, the opening panel that Jim Lee drew of Magneto in this first issue. He's like, he's, uh, he's really hot. He's hot. Like, he draws he's a him. Dad. He's he draws like a him, hot dad. Yeah. Like, it, they, he draws this, like, really full body, you know, drawing of Magneto. He's looking great. And then the next page is like this really dramatic close-up It's like, it's of this like when we all saw Bob Odenkirk and nobody with a shirt off. I'm like, holy <laughs> What? <laughs> You're not wrong. Like, Bob got in shape got for that. If you shape, have, yeah. Like, if you're a fan, so a lot of people might not know this movie, but if you're a fan of John Wick and or Better Call Saul, you need to watch it's, Nobody. It's the marriage of both worlds, and it's beautiful. It's a wonderful film. It's great. And dude got in shape for the role. Mm -hmm. You got to give him props for that. Um, but yeah, he definitely has, and he's got like the best eyebrows everyone's, anyone's ever had. This Magneto panel. Like big Not Bob Odenkirk. I'm sure Bob Odenkirk has great eye eyebrows. They're I fine. Know. They're fine. He's got <laughs> tiny lips, though. He's got, he's a, he's he's got tiny, tiny lips. lips. So this is why Magneto was a baby, isn't a baby anymore, and is now a hot daddy. Um, final prologue we can go over is like what were the X-Men doing prior to this because actually a lot was going on and it was the end of a huge run by Chris Claremont that was taking place in both Uncanny X-Men and in another title called X-Factor um, 
which might not be familiar to a lot of people because it hasn't been the topic of any like film adaptations or TV show adaptations. Um, however, if you did watch the cartoon, they did introduce a certain iteration of the X Factor team into the cartoon at one point, and that included like Havoc and Polaris and uh, Strong Guy and all of them. Mm. Multiple Man. We've seen Multiple Man in the in the movies. So what? I'll make this also short because there's just a lot going on. Um, Xavier was in space. The X-Men, the new X-Men, I'll call them that. Wolverine, Colossus, Storm, all them. They say they bring Xavier back from space. They come back from space and uh, Moira McTaggart's island, Mirror Island, that she does all of her stuff on, has been taken over by Xavier's arch nemesis, Shadow King. Shadow King's the guy who actually put Xavier in the wheelchair. It's why Xavier's in a wheelchair. Um, and he is this being of like just psychic energy. He's he actually doesn't like have a body at this point. He did at one point. His name is like Farouk something, and he doesn't have a body. And so now he's just a, a entity of like just psychic energy. He's taken over Muir Island. Everyone's doing like gladiatorial like fights on Muir Island. So Xavier gets there and realizes Shadow King's in charge. He's like, oh, we got to beat Shadow King, but we can't do it with just my new X Men. We got to get the, we got to get the band back together and get the original X-Men who are working for X-Factor, which was a government uh, team that was supposedly, they were like secret mutants that were like hunting down other mutants, but instead they were like hunting them down to actually then protect them. Um, And so like, that's where like Scott and Jean and Angel and Beast and Iceman were. So he gets all them. They go back to uh, Mirror Island. Forge kills the host body of Shadow King, but then that causes uh xavier's son legion who got turned into a tv adaptation you've seen legion i'm sure yes not all of it but i With, saw the first season i believe what's his name the actor D- D- uh, dan stevens dan stevens i love him he's great um yeah i only watched the first season uh it was good but i just didn't get on to the second season but um legion goes crazy then shadow king takes over legion anyways long story short they do a big fight they win the big fight but Xavier, who was actually at the time walking again, gets put back into the wheelchair, hence why he's in the hover chair in this series. And Xavier's like, this is great. We won. But I have too many X-Men because I've got like 14 of you just hanging around here. So he splits everybody up, puts Havoc and Polaris and uh, Polaris. I keep saying that wrong. Polaris um, and Strong Guy and all them on X-Factor. And then that's why we have the X-Men we have in this, in X-Men issues one through three. And they're split into two teams, which they explain in the first issue, blue and gold. Um, Scott's in charge of blue. Storm's in charge of gold. There's your prologue. Gotcha. So now I'm sure you're just, you feel like you're just bursting with too much Super knowledge. caught up. Yes, I remember everything you said. <laughs> um, so anyways, that's what's going on for you and for the audience if you decide to jump in at this point with this these comics. So you know why the X-Men are at the mansion, why they're, you know, test, you know, training in the danger room with these two teams, and why Magneto is vibing out in space. Um so we get into issue one, and do you remember how issue one starts? Well, they're in the, I know they're in the danger room and they're doing like they're split into two teams trying to get to Xavier, basically. Yeah. So they're doing their little they're 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 showcasing that they've got their two teams now. Oh, yeah. Gambit and... steals a kiss from uh, Jean Grey, I think. And it's really weird. Yeah, it's it's really <laughs> weird. 
for a moment <laughs> until they reveal like a robot, but it's still weird. It's you know? still weird. It's still not consensual, man. Come on. It, it really does call, call into question like consent with artificial intelligence, you know, <laughs> which I don't think you and I can tackle completely right now. No, no. But it de definitely does like there, there are signs of the times throughout this entire comic. In fact, in I think in issue two, uh, Banshee refers to Forge, who is a member of who is a who is who is a Native American First Nation. Uh, yeah, member. he calls he says like Indian land or something. Yeah, he calls him an Indian. Yeah, and so it's very much like nailing you know that this is 1991 <laughs> and uh, we are not PC yet. We are not uh, you know as some people refer to as woke. Woke. Um, and so yeah, there's also a lot of like there's some understandable not understandable but there's like some recognizable misogyny yeah and patriarchal like like uh let's be honest like jim lee loves to draw luckily jim lee likes to draw everybody as super hot um because there's some very like uh homoerotic panels oh like yeah magneto fucking and, uh, uh, uh gambit like is basically nude in the last issue the third one yeah they're swimming yeah. around and stuff well, what I love also, one of my favorite panels from it is like, um, at, so the, the opening is like, uh, these, the acolytes, these, these zealots, uh, yeah. who want to follow Magneto, they, you know, they try to reach him out in space. And so Magneto like, you know, destroys their ship, but then brings them on board to asteroid M. And as he enters into address them, cause it's like a mixture of like some humans that were in the ship and then these mutant acolytes and Magneto's wearing this like super silky open chest robe, um <laughs> like outfit and he's he's like he's he's definitely serving and he's doing it on purpose like he knew what he was doing yeah. and um i love that jim lee decides to draw him that way um but all that aside jim jim draws female characters this is like the era of like they're all drawn in totally like uncomfortable looking positions yeah um they may as I don't well think not you... even be wearing suits like you can see yeah. every inch of their body i don't think you see psylocke at any point where you don't see her butt um like <laughs> or he makes sure like to her pose hips it. so you'd see the curvature yeah. like of all of her basically and and because of the costume the very iconic and I'll, I'll say cool costume that jim lee gave her which is the reason why betsy braddock who that's not her original body she's actually like this this you know, white British chick. Um, and she got switched with a Japanese assassin, assassin named, uh, Kanan and put her into that body, which is supposed to be temporary, but because everyone just loved this design so much, um, that Jim Lee had was drawing that she stayed in that body for forever until like th th three years ago. Uh, so <laughs> she was in this Japanese body that everyone associates with Psylocke, for forever um but yeah it's like they you see her hip bones and the curvature of her buttocks at all times but anyways yeah so they're they're fighting they do they're showing off their danger room it's a very much an intro issue yeah um and at the same time we are introduced to a, a very important character fabian cortez he's like one of the only acolytes that we get really a name from of this group of acolytes i think other than that we get like a few of the other guys but they don't they don't they don't matter because spoiler at the end of all this they all die yeah <laughs> they all they all go down with the ship um but fabian who immediately like i don't like did did you immediately get get like pervy vibes from fabian or did it take time 
I mean, he seemed from the outset pretty obsessed with Magneto. Yeah. Like, really obsessed with him. Yeah. It's very much like Mean Girls, like, why are, why are you obsessed with me? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and he's, like, trying to convince Magneto that due to his, like, mutant powers, he's like, I can heal you. You're okay, baby. Come here. I'm, it's fine. I've got, you know, healing powers. He, and he doesn't. He's actually, like, duping Magneto. Um, and he convinces Magneto because Magneto's like, I just want to be out here in Asteroid M. I want to be left alone. Screw the humans. Screw all the other, you know, the X-Men. And I just want to be out here alone. And Fabian's like, well, what if you made this into like, you know, your mutant nation that you always dreamed of? And Magneto's like, well, I like this idea. And then Fabian takes a step further. And he's like, but you have to like, you got to show force. You got to like, make sure that everybody knows you mean business. And so he convinces Magneto to go get nuclear bombs. Um, which is always a good idea. Always, you know, every time, never goes wrong. If you can, if you can escalate, yeah. you know. <laughs> um. So he goes and he steals these nukes from like a sub that he had, that he had like crashed in a, like a, some bunch of issues before. So he knew where these these uh, nukes were. Um. X Men show up, they fight him. Wolverine like really like uh mortally wounds him which like hurts Magneto's feelings. Cause like they used to be buddies cause he was running the X-Men. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, I guess rogue, this is the point where rogue tries to convince Magneto like, like, you know, honey, don't, don't, don't be doing this. That kind of stuff. Stop that. <laughs> you know, um, what incarnation and... you thinking? <laughs> There's a great TikToker that I love. I can't remember her name. It's like Jordan Rasco. She's like a, a, like a New Zealand comedian and she went to a like NYCC this last like weekend or something and she was like I'm I'm dressed up as my one of my favorite X-Men characters Rogue but I realized that she's like she's obviously got a New Zealand accent she's like the only southern accent I can uh, achieve is uh Foghorn Leghorn um and that's not quite exactly Rogue's uh Southern Bell stuff I say I say Gambit you should <laughs> you cannot talk you not cannot touch me um anyways Rogue then gets like shot by the Russians, you know, because Russians are always an easy, uh, you know, foil right. to use. And so the Magneto like sets off like a nuke, like in like a uh, like up in the sky, which like kills all of Russia's technology, um, which was a good move on his part. And yeah, Rogue lands in Genosha because she got like blowed up. Um, Genosha. If you guys recall, those who listened to the last episode, is the mutant island nation um, that was originally a uh, like a, a a nation that was built on the backs of like slave mutants. But then they were they are they, that's why they're they're referencing like in this comic that they're like they actually have a legitimate government now. They're they're run by the mutants and everything like that. Um, but then she lands in there. So then the acolytes go and try to recruit her, which then again ends in a f- another fight. And at the end of this issue is then we like we start getting the inkling of like Moira did a did a whoopsie. But we don't know what it is. Any other notes about issue number one? Right now I'm looking at a still of Psylocke and she's doing the splits in a kick formation <laughs> and the cam- the angle is right underneath her. And I swear to God, if she was not wearing her suit, I would be able to see inside of her from this angle. <laughs> this is wild. Now I can't unsee her form. <laughs> it's it's it is you know, there's such a long history of 
terrible female poses. I mean, it's it's a trope that we even recognized in movie posters, you know, where like the female superhero was the only one that was doing the like facing backwards, looking over their shoulders yeah. so that you made sure you saw their butt. And it's so inappropriate. Um, it's funny to an extent. I'm glad that we've moved past that with modern comics to a degree and that comics, the creators that are making these comics in general have diversified as well. We've got way more women in comics now we've got way more queer representation in comics we've got way more people of color that are that are running these comics because you know this is decades and decades of mostly straight white men you know writing these comics you know even even jim lee checks off you know two of those boxes (laughs) um and so we did we definitely didn't have a lot of like uh people being like what if we didn't do that with the girls what if what if the girls you know got to got to not be they had agency uh, what if they had agency and weren't pinup models um luckily like chris claremont uh definitely wrote he liked in introducing and writing in female characters a ton which is why we have so many more female characters we know of like because when the x-men first came out it was you know cyclops angel beast iceman and Jean Grey. Right. So four dudes and then the one token chick. Um, but uh, Claremont's like, he, he he introduced, you know, Rogue and he's the one who got to helm, you know, like Storm and uh, Rachel Summers and uh, just a ton of these these iconic female characters. And he's the one who like really made Jean more than just a sidekick to the X-Men and he wrote in the Phoenix saga and all of that. Um, so it's it's... You know, part of reading comic books, part of the history is you have to, like, take it with a grain of salt. It's kind of like the same thing with any literature. You read old literature, and it's just going to be, you know, yeah. part of the times. Um, but, yes, this is definitely, like, this is the 90s. Welcome to the 90s, everybody. It's, like, 90s turn to 11. <laughs> um, so, we'll jump to issue two, where this is where we kind of really learn a little bit more about Fabian's powers, that he is someone who boosts other mutants abilities sometimes to the detriment of the mutant the ultimate hype man for mutants he is he's a, he's a, he's a hype he's a hype man that you don't want he's a little turd like uh rob schneider in the water boy you can do it he's like go away rob you know what fabian definitely has rob schneider energy i'm gonna say that uh i think you nailed it because i also don't want to see rob schneider anymore Me thank neither. you very much Not i'm good <laughs> if, if, if although if they were to ever you know make a real adaptation of these comics and cast rob schneider's fabian i might not be upset because it would just be too accurate yeah. it's like okay i get it um but at the same time all the 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 human governments are initiating these Magneto protocols because they kind of had these things in place because they knew Magneto would go bad again at some point. And so um, this is where they like reveal that like uh, the Russians are launching a giant plasma cannon into the space to like shoot down asteroid M. So that kind of puts like the tip- ticking time clock on the X-Men to um, fix that because X-Men Blue, the team that's fighting them on Genosha, they get captured because Chrome, I think was that X, that mutant's name, turns them into like metal statues. Yeah. Um and they get taken to which that's got that's got to be such a that that has that's such a lucky power to have if you're a fan of Magneto cuz you're like, look what I can do. I can make you little little things that you can manipulate with your <laughs> with your magnetism. I found another uh, unwarranted kiss. From from Cortez actually to Psylocke. Would you like a taste oh, of my he? power? 
when they're oh, when they're God. fighting Agadosha. Yeah, he just straight up ma- but max that, her like right in the face. That's at least in character for him because he's he's well, a, he like I said a turd. It, he could have just held her hand. I know, I know. <laughs> Actually, in the frame before it, he punched her in the face, so he could have just done it then. <laughs> Dude's well, a creep. he's a bad guy. He's a creep. <laughs> creep. Um, Rob Schneider, if didn't, calm down. Yeah, God. Um, if you didn't like him in issue one, you definitely don't like him now because no. yeah, he's being a punk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the X Men like lose because Chrome turns him into Chrome, and then they get taken up to Asteroid M. And then at the same time, Magneto does like a full house steal and takes Xavier and Moira up to Asteroid N yeah. as well. He just takes one entire chunk of the mansion with them. Just like, there you go. It's very much like a Wizard of Oz moment <laughs> yeah. where he's just like taking them away. Um, and he does that because while under the care of Fabian and healing from like Wolverine, like screwing him up, they learn like, oh, something something changed about your DNA. And, and he figures out what it is. And he figures out that, that Moira like tried to mess with his DNA so that... She specifically was trying to make it so that there's a history of Magneto's powers being so extreme um, that they are the source of a lot of his mental unstableness, uh, instability. And uh, so, you know, you got a baby Magneto, you got opportunities. It's like, you know, make lemonade out of lemons, make good Magnetos out of baby Magnetos. Um, And so she tries to like alter his personality and so he figures that out and forces her to do the same thing to x-men blue um which is not i i don't know if i just missed it but i remember the first time reading it i i didn't fully comprehend it, correct me if you got no, it i was in the same like, boat i was like wait why are why is cyclops all of a sudden like yay magneto okay. like this came out of nowhere but then later on they kind of like resurfaced that like oh she, moira did this to them i was like oh okay never mind it makes sense yeah but they on the like, offset, for- yeah, I totally missed that. And I was like, they're just randomly choosing to side with Magneto for no reason. Like, after they came which up I, there which to is kill ex- him or at least, like, stop him. Yeah. Which is extra funny considering we just talked about how this comic is all exposition yeah. over explanation. But they just, like, I think they might have uh, skipped over a few lines to point out the X-Men are under a new kind of mental control thanks to Moira, yeah. which is why they're having, like, a pool party at Asteroid. <laughs> 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 which that's also like there's a lot of tropes that jim lee like introduced or emphasized in the x-men and x-men have oh, you know what you know why it? it was okay i'm looking at it right now it's because after he like he like covers moira in in chrome right magneto yeah. does to control her and then we get this weird scene in russia where they where they unearth oh. like the nuclear weapon and they and then they kill that one Russian soldier, and then after that it goes back to Asteroid M, and then Cyclops <laughs> is like, "Hey, Magneto, we're buds now." So yeah, that's why <laughs> it was so confusing because it just like all of a sudden took us to a new like story arc, and then back again. And so it was, yeah, that okay, that's why it happened. That's why, yeah, because it's the one like like whip pan right. to like something else that's going to be relevant in issue four. Exactly. Issue four, yeah. Cause it never that, came back. It, like this character no, with that's, the poofy hair. I forget their name. Yeah. It's a Matsu, uh, Matsuo Surayaba. Uh, yeah. He's a, uh, he's a member of the hand, which I think I'd introduced in the daredevil TV series. Yeah. Um, and actually to connect it to what we talked about earlier, he's actually the boyfriend of Kanan, the, the Japanese woman whose body got stolen for Psylocke. Oh. Um, 
So it's all connected. And they're actually not stealing a nuke. They're stealing Omega Red, which is a... Which you might recognize if you if you watch the cartoon. He's um this, like, Russian super soldier mutant. Um, and so that's who they're stealing. That's why there's, like, that, that Omega symbol on, like, the casket that they're stealing. Um, and, yeah, so that, that whip pans, and, and we learn that, you know, the X-Men are now buddies with Magneto. But then that's when it becomes a ticking time clock because Fury tells the X-Men the Russians are about to shoot a giant cannon at asteroid M and they're like, you know, Oh no, professor X and the X-Men are on there. We got to go save them. So that's how we end issue two, um, which then sets up the stakes for issue three, um, where we get introduced to the X-Men's super cool see-through plastic spaceship. Yeah. Which I think is fun. It's fun. You know? It's the wonder woman <laughs> ship, but still it's, fun. it is, it is. I, I I I I I love the design of like the armor and spacesuits in these issues because like I think the those opening panels of like uh, Storm and Archangel in their like spacesuits I don't know it looks really cool to me I this is like peak Archangel design um, yeah he looks he looks he, really he like kind of like a, a Vision reminds me of Vision Just oh does very he? very angular. You know, yes. like around the eyebrows and stuff, and it looks like a yes. helmet, but it's also his head. Oh yeah, when he's got his full like hood up and he's yeah. covering, he's like just like almost like a bald cap. Um, yeah, I get that. I this was uh, this was also like this version of Angel when he got turned into Archangel by Apocalypse. Um, this is like this is the one that everyone associates it with Angel because it was just so cool looking like that. That contrast, even when he's like his little little cap was down like the contrast of his like blue skin and blonde long hair Mm -hmm. um and his uh yeah his very model like features um big fan of of archangel and how good looking that blue boy is um so yeah x-men gold led by storm they're going out into space to try to rescue um the x-men um this is where this is the issue where banshee calls forge an indian um and uh slings us back to 1991 very harshly um and this is where we learn that magneto like moira points out like magneto is not getting healed each time fabian does his little yeah like, he's massage. sucking a little juice out every time <laughs> didn't like how you said that he's, that was not he's gotta get his juice he's, <laughs> he's gotta that get juice. that magneto juice slurp slurp uh, yeah where's where's that uh that promotional uh product from like capri sun you know it makes <laughs> yeah. sense they made the they made the the was it the, the ghostbusters ecto cooler why can't they make the magneto yeah. juice because like you know the all, all the capri sun marketing was like the kids turned into like metal blobs something from like, oh yeah that was disturbing yeah so do that with magneto why not um but yes uh moira knows why um but she can't tell because magneto keeps covering her with like chrome um so the X-Men gold managed to get onto the ship um, with like, it's, there's so much exposition on how they break into the ship, like them calling out exactly how they use their power. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty bad. You know, it's, it's extra, like a little, it's extra redundant when even Iceman is talking about like, watch out guys. I'm going to make this really cold. Like, we know you're going like, to do that. That's your only like, power Iceman. What, yeah, what else yeah. would you do? And then, like you know, Colossus is gonna you know break through. Actually, I, I love the stuff they're talking about. I forgot Colossus, Colossus was there until that moment because he was nowhere <laughs> to be seen in the second issue. So I thought, like, he was in the danger room, but then yeah. he wasn't really a part of any of the actual action. And then all they of a sudden, a cool he's move. there again. 
I like the move they did in issue one in the danger room where in his human form, he's light enough that Archangel can like carry him. And then he like drops him and he turns into his like metal form. Yeah, It's like kind of a reverse version of like uh, Colossus and Wolverine's fastball special, which is like this well-known move that they do constantly where Colossus just basically throws Wolverine as hard as possible (laughs) at things. That's great. Um, because like Wolverine is supposed to canonically be like five foot three, and so he's just the little like Colossus, like six foot four. Makes so sense because Wolverines this. are actually pretty small creatures compared to like yeah. Their, their Hugh Jackman brother. ruined that because he's like this tall, he's tall you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny just to think of like this giant Russian throwing the tiny Canadian at people. <laughs> um, and so yeah, Colossus shows up. Uh, and he breaks in, which is fun to see Colossus getting used that way. Colossus, actually, little known fact, he um doesn't need to breathe in his metal form, which is kind of cool. Oh. And, yeah, can withstand, like, extreme temperatures and extreme, like, you know, that's why he can be out in space. It's and like a tardigrass. <laughs> He's a very, very large Russian tardigrass. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, yeah, they get in and they manage to get Xavier but then this is where they get in the fight with the X-Men Blue, which, man. Another, another like... unwarranted kiss <laughs> from Cyclops here. But he and Jean Grey are dating, right? So that's not. They are. But he's a bad guy in this one. They're enemies. Right. In this, but, so that's kind of unwarranted, I think. Yeah. So it's it's like it's they still somehow make it a naughty kiss. Oh, there's I a there's a why. panel here of Colossus holding Xavier. And I wish they could. That would be a perfect <laughs> time for them to kiss. Because he's like. He's cradling him at that point, <laughs> yeah, he right? Yeah, like a little baby. Yeah. <laughs> he's my little rusky, my little babushka. Come here, Xavier. I give, I give you a little kiss. Little kiss on your butt forehead. <laughs> um, so yeah, they they then start fighting, um, but this is when like the programming starts to break because they're using their powers, which is like part of the reason why it didn't work, and that's like where Magneto starts like he starts like really fainting, which then gives like. Moira the opportunity to finally reveal that she tried to like fix his brain but thanks to this like necessary relationship between a mutant's powers and their personality that when they use their powers they like they have to be in alignment with their true self Mm -hmm. um so then like she puts it all back on Magneto she's like you're a you're a punk because you're a punk like I didn't do this so don't blame me um you got you got your own issues go to therapy yeah stop this actually Stop, uh, this features one of my favorite um, comic book, you know, words that are that they're supposed to be a sound. And it's when Delgado bursts through the wall to grab Colossus. It just says scrump in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> there are there are so many like for every iconic one of like, you know, the thwip. Yeah, the, the next one is Wham, which I've seen before. Never have I seen scrump. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what that is. I'm, like, I'm, 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 I'm picturing, I can like audibly picture it as like the cr- the crunchy sound of a wall breaking. Scrump, you know, like I, I can, yeah. Some nail it better. Like snicked is is like, like yeah, oh, that's, that's the sound of yeah. metal sheathing out. Yeah. Quud, we got um, quud here. Wop, <laughs> wop is also great. I mean, if you're, if I don't know who's in charge of those, if it's the letterist or if it's the the illustrator, but if that's your thing, like you got, like you're 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 doing that so much, you got to get creative. I want to be because you know? I'm gotta... not like a I'm not an artist, and I'm not I'm like I'm, I can write fairly well, but I would love yeah. to just have the job as the person that comes up with these adjectives to describe the action that's <laughs> happening on the panel. <laughs> that's the it's only just, thing I it's do. It's just a dude. 
it's just a dude in his cubicle in the back <laughs> yeah. of like the editor room, and he's just muttering I'm sounds in the to himself. Closet in the corner. <laughs> it's like a scrump, right? That, a that's scrump. not like, that's just a scrump. Um, yeah, that's so good. It's like a foley um, artist, but, yes. but way more depressing. Yeah, it's it's a phonetic foley artist. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is when they reveal like fabian gtfo'd and he's been a punk the whole time mm. and he wanted like to make magneto like a martyr instead so that the the mutant population would rally behind them because he's like an extremist who wants like he's all about mutant superiority and all that kind of stuff and so he leaves plasma cannon gets fired but magneto is manages to for like a while like hold the asteroid together and so this is when like the X-Men are leaving, but they're like, we can save you, Magneto. Come with us. And the Acolytes as well. But like, I don't know. Magneto wants to go down with the ship and um, the Acolytes want to stay with him. And so that's where that's what it leads to. Like all these Acolytes die. Um, and they do, in fact, go down with the ship and it explodes. And I mean, Magneto, quote unquote, dies. But you know how these characters work. Yeah. He didn't die. He comes back later. Um, but yeah. So. Uh, the reason why, like, I think that's the end of the issue, and it was definitely like, if you if you come at this understanding, this is the end of Chris Claremont and Chris Claremont's almost thirty year run of these these comics. Yeah, I I feel this like this is such a good, this is such a fitting, and emotional end to his time, and a good jumping off point if you want to get into the X Men because it is it is the beginning of that nineties era that so many people have nostalgic connection and love for um which is why i picked this what like when you finished the comic like what was your takeaway from all of this there was a lot a lot happened <laughs> but it was definitely so like, many words so many words yeah but it was like because my thing with like marvel and dc comics because I, I when i read comics i read graphic novels i read like you know one yeah beginning to end or like several the issues. trade issues yeah and because jumping into to Marvel, it's so daunting. Like, I remember when they announced uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and I was excited because yeah. I wasn't that into the Marvel movies at that point, but I love James Gunn. You know, I love Slither and Tromeo yeah. and Juliet. So I was like, I want to know about this. This looks rad. And it was, it. I, I felt like I was pulling teeth trying to figure out where to start because it was like there's the, oh. the 1969 iteration of the Guardians, and then there's the one from the, the like mid nineties, which is what he was pulling from. But unfortunately yeah. they didn't start it. They started in a different comic, which was about Nova, the, the Nova Ranger who's like yeah. flying around space, trying to solve everyone's problems and shit. And his AI is like, you need to calm down and sleep, buddy, take a nap. And they're in yeah. there somewhere. And that's where they first actually show up apparently. But like, even when I was reading that, I was like, this is like, this seems like a lot of work just to try to get to, the thing I'm looking for, you know? Yeah. And so that's yeah. what's like kept me from reading a lot of like Marvel stuff. It's like, I don't know where the hell to start. Like old man Logan's cool. Cause it's like a one-off like self-contained right. thing, you know, like Batman year well, one or the, the killing joke, that kind of stuff is all like its own thing. Yeah. That's definitely something Marvel has done better is creating really cool alternate universe uh, lines. It's, it's, uh, we get a lot of our MCU uh, notes from their ultimate, line the ultimate marvel which was there was ultimate x-men there was ultimate fantastic four there was even an avengers adaptation that was called the ultimates in fact uh samuel jackson being 
you know, you you read in this is you you saw Fury and he's this like you know uh, pepper haired you know white dude with a patch, and Samuel Jackson you know black Nick Fury comes from the Ultimates yeah, um, which was like more of a I remember uh, when David uh, Hasselhoff played Nick Fury. Oh, that's right, in that TV in the, movie I believe it was like a series, Showtime yeah. movie. Yeah, um, and so they've done a really good job of creating these alternate universe things. I mean, it's even why like, like you know they adapted What If into a Disney Plus series. Yeah, yeah, because um, it's fun to play with those. But yes, I said this in the last episode. Marvel doesn't create the most accessible jump in points. They have plenty of times where they've tried to do it. Like this is kind of an example. They also had an era where they called uh, they called it Marvel One, where they were like the they were like renumbering all the titles to issue one and trying to create a jump on point. But as opposed to DC Comics, which does these these hard reboots every once in a while with these crisis events. Yeah. Um, a crisis on infinite earths and infinite crisis and that kind of thing. Um, Marvel doesn't do that as much. And X-Men having been going on, you know, since the sixties is there's just too much to read. Yeah. Um, and there's a billion and, characters too. It's like, yeah, which, and, and that's why I like, I'm starting off with some some of some I think are the easier start off points. The last episode we went over House of X, Powers of X, which is a soft reboot that Jonathan Hickman did in 2019. And I picked this one because this is like if you at least watch the cartoon, you might like feel a little bit akin to these characters because like at the very least, you know, Jean's wearing that, you know, tan and blue costume that you know of her yeah, and Xavier's in a hover chair. For those who've yeah. Like even if you did just start with the Brian Singer movies, like this has still got most of the characters you remember just yeah. in in a different form, you know, with different accents or backgrounds, but they're still the same characters with the same powers. Yeah. I mean other than like like maybe a few of the characters like Fabian and Forge and and I kept Moira thinking he was Cable thing. every time he would show up. I was like, hey cool, it's yeah. Cable and I was like they keep calling him Forge for some fucking reason i don't know why because <laughs> he has his prosthetic leg yes he and he's got an eye uh, patch too i think does he no, no that's nick Forge fury. doesn't have an eye patch that's nick yeah, fury yeah. uh which also has very much that old daddy vibe that yeah. cable has um and loves to wear lots of like uh, uh pouches and guns yes. which is also lots of ammo and the, pads and pockets yeah and the rob leefield look um <laughs> But yeah, other than that, like it's it's you like you know even in that first issue and you're opening up, you're like yeah, I know who Archangel and Colossus is. And it's like yeah, I know that this version of Beast where he looks like this. Um, and so yeah, it, I th- I think it's a pretty good jump. And then if you like it, it continues on for a, like a pretty good run of the X Men. Even though Jim Lee left at a, a issue eleven and Chris Claremont wasn't a part, it it was still a good era. Like the next um issue goes over a mega red and who's uh a, a pretty cool character at this point and 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 a uh kind of a nemesis to wolverine um and yeah so that's, that's that's just kind of like why i picked this but um yeah like on a scale of like one to ten where would you rate this on how jarring it was to jump into it i give it like a five like it like it definitely starts off like bombastically with a lot of information but it it wasn't terribly hard to follow. Yeah, you kind of have to just power through a little bit, and you can yeah, find. It's your good way. that the acolytes like, were kind of background characters, and it was just the one acolyte that was kind of the main character. Yeah, and the rest of them they, they, would, they would show up and do a power thing every so often, but they they didn't have stories, which I liked because that would have made it really confusing. Yeah, if there's yeah, too much of definitely. them in there, but there's 
thankfully they're very not they're not, they're just like sitting in the background like go ahead Magneto do your thing. Well, a little bit of a spoiler, but they actually the acolytes, not these ones, but the acolytes in general do come back and become a big part of Magneto's story and a constant kind of like um, looming threat. That's fine. To... As long as like they're introduced here and then later on, if they come back in a yeah. capacity, that makes more sense. And that that's accessible I... for me, you know. I won't spoil it, but uh, if you keep reading this this era of the X Men, one of the X Men actually joins the Acolytes. I might because it's I got Comicsology for free on Kindle, so I have it says all of the issues are free, so I can. I'm yeah, yeah, them. yeah, yeah. These these issues are so old. That's why it's like yeah, really good point if you want to go and read because you can just read it for forever. Because um, this also was then. Uh, if you like this, then you can also read. They had a, a run of Uncanny X Men at the same time that more so focused on, I think, X Men Gold, um, and so that that was also kind of a, a jumping off point because, like I said, this comes off of this end of like X Factor and Uncanny X Men on the Muir Island saga, and it's all starting off with new stories. And in Uncanny X Men, there's even more stuff about the Hellfire Club and uh, Sebastian Shaw's son, Shinobi Shaw. Um, which is a mouthful. I just realized. Yeah, I know. To say. Jesus. Sebastian and Shinobi Shaw. Say that ten times. Sebastian fast. Um, <laughs> so well, good. I'm I'm glad you were able to get through it and enjoyed it to a certain extent. Um, I I, I really like this area. It's gorgeous. Oh, it's Jim really Lee well has, drawn. Yeah, it's super. Every it's frame just, is just dope to look at. It's beautiful. Um, and I well, at this point we can go into I let the uh the uh patreon uh subscribers know that i wanted to kind of open up an opportunity for questions at the end of the episode and ideally the questions will be about like the content that we're covering this week of like you know x-men issues one through three but it's okay if you know in these early stints people just wanted some general x-men questions and so we can go through some of those and, and you know i'd be curious to hear your opinion on some of these yeah because uh justin jones wrote uh why do you think nightcrawler and gambit are so popular um, if you, they said, Justin said, if you include Iceman, they are my top three favorite mutants. Um, what's your theories on Nightcrawler and Gambit having such notoriety for so long? I mean, Gambit's pretty obvious. He wears a trench coat. He has cool hair. He throws <laughs> fucking playing cards, you know, like yeah. he's that dude that's leaning back in the bar, you know, like as a pool hustler, like he's just that cool Gambit dude. Probably, he's like the dude, Gambit he's the guy in high school who's like popular with every crowd. <laughs> and he's nice to everyone, you know, like he's cool with everyone, the nerds, the jocks, everyone. But he's also like, everyone's like, like, why doesn't he have a girlfriend yet? Like, no, he, and no one can lock him down. He's so mysterious, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he, I would say Gamut probably is responsible for a lot of, uh, unfortunate, uh, obsessions with close hand magic, close up magic oh, yeah. and like card tricks. Listen, Cause people close just up like, magic is fun. Let's not, come on. It's, it's dorky, but it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm part of that crowd yeah. where I got into close up magic and card tricks. Um, but what about Nightcrawler? Nightcrawler, Why do you think Nightcrawler? I think Nightcrawler is like he's like a wounded fawn character. You know, like he's very sympathetic. Like his background is so tragic, and yeah, and it's, it's it's and it's easy to love him because he's he's so noble and he's loyal and he's like he's like your, yeah. your best bud, and he's always doing the right thing. And also his power even, is inherently cool. He can fucking teleport through walls and stuff. Like that's rad. Oh, know? I mean. Talk about another good uh, sound effect name. His bamp. His bamp. Bamp is a bamp. B a m f. Oh. Yeah, bamp. If you read any Nightcrawler, you will always see bamp when he's a uh, badass motherfucker. You know, 
Yep, that's what it stands for. <laughs> he also has such a yeah. His his look is also iconic. The the blue fur and the He's the yellow the, the, eyes. The one the one guy that no one wants to get the makeup chair for during the movie because they know it's gonna take eight hours. <laughs> yeah. What was the the actor? What's his name? Who was for X Men Two? He yeah, famously was oh, like Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming, yeah. he was like, I'm not doing this again because I'm not doing that makeup. Yeah, again. and they're like, we'll get Cody Smith McPhee then. He looks like he's down for anything. And it's like, that kid has back problems, dude. What are you doing? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> he's got scoliosis or something. Stop. Stop making him do yeah. these moves. <laughs> they also gave him like, I know it was like era appropriate hair, but they gave him like flock of seagulls haircut. It just yeah. didn't look right on Nightcrawler. That um, whole and apocalypse he, movie was a... It was bad. It was a it mess. Was bad. It was a mess. I mean, I mean the 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 the, the slow motion saving the kids from the explosion sequence is great, but yeah, they they kind of blew that cherry in the the first movie they did with the him. first one, yeah, yeah, in uh Days of Future Past. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wonder if we'll ever get through an episode of this podcast where we don't uh badmouth <laughs> apocalypse movie. <laughs> Um, I mean, it, came up last well, episode. Well, it used to be the last stand, and then they did Apocalypse, and now that's the bad one we talk. Well, what's the the, the Gene Gray one? Dark Phoenix Are, wasn't very good. It, it was like it was, but, so, but like Apocalypse is bad in a memorable way. It's like you know why mm-hmm. you don't like it. I don't remember why I hated the Gene Gray one. Like I, it just was. <laughs> it was like a nothing movie. Like it felt like nothing happened. I I remember basically two scenes from Dark Phoenix. One is. Uh, Magneto with the train in the air. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is when like Gene awkwardly makes Xavier walk up the stairs like a marionette. And <laughs> I don't remember. It's that. just it's just James McAvoy trying to look like he's uncomfortable as he walks up these stairs through the power of her telekinesis. And it just it's so you just got to go back and watch that yeah, I, scene. I, and you'll, I don't know you'll, if you'll, I can stomach the movie again. I just remember that like it felt like half the movie took place in that one suburban neighborhood set that was clearly in like South Africa that they built. For, yeah. Just for that one scene. But it felt yeah. like that whole scene took like 30 minutes for some reason. And yeah. um, I. Jacob uh, from Patreon asked, what's the story behind Asteroid M? Why did Magneto create it and more or less abandon everything? There's a there's a constant trope in the X-Men comics of them trying to just carve out a place for themselves. We covered it extensively in the last episode where we talked about House of X, Powers of Ten, where they're now on their own. Uh, they're on Krakoa, which is their own mutant island. Um, Asteroid M was just the precursor to that where... Magneto is like, I got crazy Omega level magnetic powers. I could probably get a comet, you know, with a base built on it just to kind of float around Earth. And that, I mean, it seems like a pretty, you know, safe place to be. It's not really highlighted in this, these issues where like they shoot a plasma cannon at <laughs> yeah. him. Um, but, you know, I kind of, I mean, I connect with that. I mean, I would love just to carve up my own little, little space colony out and, and enjoy myself Your out there. I, I get it. Out there floating around. Yeah. Another great movie. And rich people are bad. Poor people need to stand up against the rich people. We get it, dude. We get it. <laughs> that director follows uh, me on Twitter. I've actually talked to him a couple of times. He's a nice guy. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Blomkamp. Uh, Neil Blomkamp. Blomkamp. Yeah. Neil. Yeah. Um, Love District Nine, great movie. Yeah, I, I'm, um, I'm eager to see District Ten. I hope he gets to do it. I'm sure at this point the audience can can recognize how much you and I could probably just talk about. Movies I know, nonstop. right? That's gonna be the second half of this podcast. Just talking about. Movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Talent uh, asked or wrote uh, both X-Men 91 and Hawks Pox House of X powers of 10 are considered reboots for the franchise that help bring in new fans of the series in your opinion and your and Diction's opinion, my guest, which did better to achieve this reboot. Um, uh, Diction, you won't be able to speak to uh, Hawks Pox at all, but I like, do you feel like this was a good attempt at creating something that was, you know, to, a lure for new readers like would this have impressed yeah. you if you had yeah i mean i would have liked a little more like backstory for some of the characters like it's, it's got a cold open at the it, front which is confusing yeah and like it, it just kind of thrusts you into the the world and uh without much knowledge like they you know they'll talk about their past and stuff but we don't get to see like where did Wolverine come from? What's his story? You know, where, what, what about yeah. Cyclops? What was he like as a boy? You know, like with his stupid laser eyes killing everyone around him, you know? Uh, yeah. So that, that, that part of it, I was kind of wishing there was a little more of, but it wasn't necessary for the story they were telling, you know, like I was, I was following along just fine. Yeah. My opinion is that I actually would attribute this, this run as being a much more successful, like, uh, reboot or re or jump in point at the for its time, but I have to give Hawkspox much more credit in fixing something that was broken. The X Men weren't really broken at this point in the, in the nineties. Like I said, Chris Claremont had was had been writing them to success for almost thirty years, and they were the hottest other than Spider Man uh, property from Marvel. And so you know, Jim didn't have too much to have to like fix or do um not to like you know lessen his you know contributions but jonathan hickman was coming off of one of the worst runs of x-men at the time disney was had just finished trying to kill the value of x-men because fox still owned them um and so they were trying to make avengers and the inhumans much more a thing um and so the fact that Hickman had to take the reins and fix them and did, and then also gathered around himself this great office of people, the X office that I talked about. Like it's now like just a, such a wonderful, diverse group of voices that are helming so many awesome titles. They're, they're different. They succeed in different things in different ways, but like, I mean, you have to give props. I mean, the X-Men one sold, like I said, like 8 million copies and that's not been done again. Yeah. Um, Part of that is obviously because comics just aren't as bought as much anymore. We, we they are not as much of a hot property for the youths anymore. Um, about it's those yo-yos old. and pogs now. <laughs> I had X Men pogs, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Obviously. Um, but yeah, that was a good question, and and there's plenty of other good like jumping on points. But I think these these are two of the most iconic. Eventually, I want to do an episode on Grant Morrison's. Uh, kind of hopping off point which was new x-men um which is where we get um the modern version of like emma frost that everyone associates with her now um but uh we'll get to that to another day um and final question is going to be a little bit of a personal one for me so i'll i'll take this one but johnny boy 5919 says how hard are you going to cry once the krakoa era ends and johnny i I, I I'm trying not to focus on it. They've got the the X Men news. They put out like you know like the slate of what's coming up in 2023. These titles of like these crossover events, and one of them is called Fall of X. And 
I'm worried they're going to break this. Um, they already scared off Jonathan Hickman because they didn't want to fully go with what he wanted to do, which is, again, kind of akin to what we're dealing with right now where Bob Harris was like, Chris, you're crazy. Let's Jim's the new hotness. We're going to go with him. Um, Marvel did that with Jonathan Hickman, and he didn't get to finish out his full story in entirety of what he wanted to do with the reboot. So I'm hoping that it's just like minor changes. And they're not going to like do a full like um, decimation event where they – the decimation event was this event where they were like, what if we uh, got rid of all the mutants except for 198 of them? And it was like not a fun era of the X-Men. Mm. Um, so as long as we don't go back to that bad and we just kind of like do little changes and we still let Krakoa be a thing, like let Krakoa be a thing. Um, I'm fine with that, but I'm trying not to focus on it and enjoy the comics as they are right now, which I hope you who are listening to this are also um, thanks to, the last episode which was a good jumping on point to read modern x-men right now um any other any other thoughts and opinions on these these little mutants diction they're they're good little mutants they gotta stop kissing each other though <laughs> unless it's unless it's warranted warranted kisses only consensual we kisses. need more consensual kisses in the x-men i'm glad you were brave enough to bring this up <laughs> someone had to Someone had to, you know, these nineties X-Men, they're just into their kissing in their pogs. That's all they want to do. And they're not asking. They're just doing, just doing it. Um, but, but X-Men have always been for lack of a, of a, of a more flowery term, very horny. Mm-hmm. X-Men have always been very horny. Um, and which like, you know, like if you're, you're a bunch of these like super powered, gorgeous people all living at the, like adults living at this, you know, mansion out in Westchester, there's going to be some like, you know, some naughty business. Yeah, of course. It's going to happen. Um, well, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with me for this uh, episode. Thanks for having Actually, me. I had, a, I had a joy. Where I assume you would, you want people to find you on Twitch, yeah? Yeah, twitch.tv slash diction. That's where you can find me. I play loads of different games because I have ADHD and I can't just sit there playing the same thing over <laughs> and over again. You, uh, you also love to do a lot of ghost hunts. Yes, we watch ghost videos and debunk them. It's pretty great. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't debunk all of them. There has to be real ones, no, right? No, not yet. We have yet to see a single <laughs> real video of a ghost. <laughs> but someday. Maybe one day. I don't know. You know? And it's still, like, we're recording this in the middle of October. It's still time for it to, This you is know. when the, the ghosts come out to haunt. This is their time. Uh, love these X-Men. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, who uh, joined last uh, episode, joined the Patreon. I loved everyone's reaction. Um, if you want to support the show... Um, you can find it at patreon.com slash class of X. We have an awesome discord that's growing and getting some good conversations in there. Um, I, people that kept asking me last episode, uh, if I'll be releasing these on Spotify and other streaming platforms, I am currently working on that. So, um, I'm either saying that right now because the next episode will do that or um, you're listening to this on one of those platforms already and I figured it out and they're on those platforms. But, um, yeah. Please let people know about the show. I'm I'm so excited to keep making this and uh, and go check out Diction on Twitch.tv. Um, Diction is super fun to watch. I play games with Diction as well, so you might you might see me and Diction playing like Phasmophobia or something like that. Um, but yeah, thanks so much, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.